This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule, the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. For $75 off your first order, visit molekule.com and enter the promo code FOOL. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, August 31st, and we're talking about Amazon's next big moneymaker. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by senior tech specialist Evan New. Evan, what's going on? Not much. You are you're joining me on Skype, but we are testing out a new recording approach, which I'm very excited about, and I think our producer Austin Morgan is even more excited about. Yeah, I'm super excited. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more work on your end, but hopefully the audio sounds better. Uh, listeners, if you notice a difference, please let us know. Uh, we're we're doing some stuff in the background to try to make the audio a little bit better across the shows. Um, Evan, happy belated birthday! I didn't know thank it was your you. birthday yesterday uh, until we talked this morning. What'd you wind up doing? Thank you, thank you. I took the day off and played video games, and we're going game. I'm going gambling this weekend in the mountains. But I do have the same birthday as Warren Buffett, which, yes. which is always interesting. <laughs> he just turned 88, right? I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> some, something crazy like that. You're a bit younger, um, but but it sounds like you had a, a pretty good birthday, and, and you're off to a pretty good birthday week. Um, there's been quite a bit of news about Amazon this week. Maybe you missed some of it while you're taking your day off. Um, but the company shares passed two thousand dollars yesterday for the first time. And if you are tracking them over the last one, five, ten years, that's up a hundred percent over the past year, five hundred percent over the last five years, and two thousand percent over the last ten years. And it seems like we're inching closer to that one trillion figure, Evan. Yeah, they're going to be number two after Apple. Seems like. Yeah, I think as of recording, they're at nine hundred and eighty billion or so. Uh, so maybe one one percent move should be enough to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reason I wanted to ta- uh, to talk Amazon today, Evan, was increasingly we're seeing the next big business for this company come out, and I think some news from this week really illustrates what that's going to look like. You want to talk about it? Sure. So the information reported that Amazon is developing a, a new free ad-supported over-the-top streaming service. It's going to be called Free Dive. Um, certainly, that could change, or any any of these details could change, since it's just kind of a, a rumor at this point. Uh, their subsidiary IMDb is developing it, and it sounds very similar to the Roku channel. It's going to be mostly older licensed content that is available for free with ads. Uh, and Roku shares, you know, fell a bit on on this news just because anytime you hear of Amazon coming to compete with you. Investors get kind of skittish. <laughs> yeah, um, the the market generally doesn't like big tech hopping into a space where there's a, a smaller pure play player, right? No, particularly Amazon. You know, a company that is so aggressive competitively and is so willing to sacrifice its margins and take losses to beat you. <laughs> so I mean, it's really hard to compete against them. Uh, this service will reportedly be exclusive to Fire TV devices. It will be separate from its subscription-based Prime Video service, which you know people tend to you know, liken to Netflix. You know, as part of Prime mem- Prime memberships, and you get access to all this free video as well as like original content. So, if Amazon launches this service, then its video platform will basically have a little bit of everything. It will have a la carte, a la carte purchases, just like iTunes. It'll have this subscription-based um, membership, like original content with you know kind of like Netflix and then it'll have this free ad supported channel that's similar to the Roku channel so they'll be doing a little bit of everything and this kind of thing also builds demand for its devices right like in the past i think the the, the fire devices haven't had a, a ton of you know competitive difference with some of the other streaming options out there this is just kind of one more service to layer on top to maybe incentivize people to get these right so i think that is an interesting aspect of of this rumor is that Amazon is going to be tying this to their Fire TV 
hardware. And, you know, they have the Fire TV Stick, a Fire TV, like a kind of like a dongle, and then they have this newly released Fire TV Cube. So I think that they are very much trying to, to grow that install base of uh, Fire TV usage, which is, you know, interesting for a couple of reasons, because it's the exact opposite of what Roku is doing. Like, Roku has been very rapidly shifting away from first-party hardware to the point where its devices are less and less important over time, both in terms of revenue, but as well as account active account acquisition because these days most of the active accounts that they're generating are now coming from licensed sources which are those third-party tv manufacturers that license and integrate roku's platform which is great for roku because it kind of they don't have to worry as much about actually developing the hardware um and a big move earlier this month is that they launched the Roku channel on the broader web. So anyone can watch the Roku channel from a web browser on your computer. Uh, obviously, you have to create a Roku account. Um, but yeah, so most of their accounts are going to be coming from these licensed sources, and now they're opening up to pretty much everyone else. And you know they're calling this off-platform distribution. And again, it's totally just the opposite direction that Amazon is reportedly going to go with, with their service, which is to really tie it to the hardware. Uh, on a you know, related note, I checked out the Roku channel recently on the web and the interface is basically identical to netflix (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you did the follow-up on that because we did that episode what about a month ago i think it was earlier this month um, when they did earnings i think but uh, we had talked about that and truth be told i have not yet checked out uh the roku channel and and what is available uh off device so i'm glad that you checked it out anything in particular that you noticed in kicking the tires not really. I mean, it's I didn't create an account or anything, but yeah, it's pretty much exactly what you'd expect. I mean, just imagine a Netflix interface with a bunch of just kind of older movies. It had like The Matrix, which is like you know, 20 years old. And you know, they actually have some live TV, which is interesting, some of these kind of live uh, streaming services that offer like news and you know, things of that sort. Um, so it, it's going to be pretty interesting to see it play out. But um, it does seem to be pretty promising You know, if you don't have to buy a Roku device and it can really help them expand their audience. Um, but yeah, so Amazon kind of being the opposite direction of like, hey, you have to buy our hardware to get access to the service. And, you know, that Fire TV Cube that they launched over the summer is is notable because it has hands-free Alexa integration, which is similar to why people love the Echo line so much, is you just ask Alexa wherever you are, versus the older Fire TV devices, they have like Alexa's built into the remote, but you have to push a button. But taking out that, you know, step of having to push a button to activate it is a really huge convenience play uh, and really you know core to the whole smart home use cases. So I think that what we're seeing is that they are trying to grow the install base of Alexa-enabled devices, uh, which now will start to include these Fire TV cubes um, that you know have more of, more of an Echo-like functionality than like the traditional remotes they've been using. One of the reasons I love doing this show with you, Evan, is a piece of news comes out like this and you're focusing on the smart home market implications and, and the Roku side of this. And I see all of this, and I think digital ads. And, and I think about what this is doing as kind of a next step in the digital ad strategy for Amazon, which is becoming increasingly important for this company and creates a lot of competitive threats in the marketplace. Uh, I like that our heads kind of go to two different places there. Yeah, a lot of angles to look at. I mean, Ro- you know, certainly the. You know, Roku's and Amazon are going to be competing now for ad dollars once Amazon releases this, but the market's growing so quickly that I don't think it's it's not as like a zero sum competition thing. It's I mean, the, the ad budgets are really just shifting very quickly away from linear TV towards these over the top services. I mean, Roku estimates that right now the linear TV ad market is somewhere around seventy billion dollars, and as more and more of that shifts to OTT services, you know there there should be plenty to go around. Roku is not the only one that is going to be impacted by this news and by the larger strategy of Amazon 
getting into the ad business. We're going to talk about some of the other companies that are going to be impacted by this type of uh, decision and, and kind of the general trajectory I think Amazon is moving. We're going to talk about that on the second half of the show. But before we do, this episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. Molecule has introduced a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. Molecule replaces 50 years of antiquated technology. The HEPA filter technology that's been used to clean your air was developed in the 1940s, and there haven't been any major innovations since. Now, Molecule's PECO technology, now Molecule's PECO technology, photoelectrochemical oxidation, goes beyond the HEPA filter system to both capture and eliminate allergens, mold, bacteria, viruses, and airborne chemicals. That includes pollutants 1,000 times smaller than what HEPA filter can catch. Molecule makes a real difference for asthma and allergy sufferers, and it helps them better cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. One customer has reportedly said that after using Molecule in her home, she was, quote, able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. The technology has been funded by the EPA, extensively tested by real people, and verified by third parties in university labs, like the University of South Florida Center for Biological Defense and the University of Minnesota Particle Calibration Laboratory. Molecule is easy to use, and it has a clean, sleek design. From the materials used on the device to a filter subscription service where filters regularly arrive on your doorstop when you need them. The Molecule team sent a model to HQ for us to try out, and the podcast hosts were literally fighting to take them home. Michael Douglas had it for a night, Vincent Shen had it for a night, Chris Hill had it for a night, one of our analysts, Jim Mueller, also took it home, and he wound up ordering a Molecule device the next day. Uh, this basically taught me two things. One, the folks that work on the podcast at The Fool seem to have a lot of allergies. And two, on top of looking modern and sleek, this air purifier is awesome. Listeners, if you want $75 off your first order, visit molekule.com and enter the promo code FOOL. That's molekule.com and promo code FOOL. All right, so Evan, on its own, I don't think that this news item about Amazon getting into the free streaming space is a huge, huge deal, maybe aside from the Roku implications. But it looks to me like the very next natural step in what we've seen as an expanding ad strategy for this company. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes me think back to that old famous quote from <clears throat> Google CEO, then CEO Eric Schmidt, saying how Google's biggest competitor is Amazon. And, you know, talking about how, you know, when people go to Google to, to search for an you know, a product they want to buy, that's like one of the most valuable ads that they sell. And if you just bypass Google completely and just go to Amazon and just search for what you're looking for there, then Google stands to lose quite a bit. And I think that, you know, we are seeing Amazon really ramp up this ad business. And yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, the this ad-supported, you know, TV service isn't probably going to be a huge piece of their ad business quite yet. You know, the bulk of it will be these product listing ads. But we are seeing other things that they're doing to, to really grow this this ad business. For example, earlier this month, uh, Twitch, which is the live streaming esports platform they bought a few years ago for a billion dollars, um, Twitch had previously allowed you to basically get have, have no ads if you were a Twitch Prime member, which is linked to your Amazon Prime account. And they backtracked on that benefit this month, so they basically are, are reintroducing ads in a big way. Which again, it's it's not you know that's probably not going to be a huge driver, but you know incrementally add up all these little pieces, and all of a sudden you have a big ad business. Yeah, and they have so many different ways that they can use it, uh, and we're just starting to see the beginning of this. Um, the company does not break out advertising specifically. 
but puts it into the umbrella category of other. Um, although management has said, I think on several occasions, that advertising makes up the majority of that segment. And so, looking at some of the numbers here to paint a picture, last quarter the other segment came in at 2.2 billion, which was up 132 percent year over year, a tiny fraction of Amazon's overall sales. But because of the margin profile for this business, it has a very outsized effect on the company's profits. Right, Evan? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, advertising is a very you know profitable business for the companies that can really scale it well because you don't have a ton of costs with it, right? I mean, and and obviously on the e-commerce side, their their margins are so tiny that any any little bit was going to help. Yeah, I think it's funny. A lot of people, myself included, uh, have really championed Amazon's web services segment for a long time because it has been this highly profitable business that just throws off cash flow and allows Amazon to do all of this internal investment and expand out its product categories, its reach. Well, that cloud infrastructure business of AWS has roughly a 25% operating margin. And that alone has been able to take this company profitable in the last year or so. Advertising has an even better margin profile than that 25% I just cited for AWS. If you're using Facebook as a comp, it's somewhere around 50%. Right. And you know, if you're thinking about you know, kind of the backhand cost, a big piece of it, you know, for AWS, they have a huge, they have to spend a ton of money on capital expenditures for infrastructure and actually buy these data centers, the servers, you know, there's a lot of costs to go into actually ramping up the infrastructure business. And of course, at this point, they've, they've scaled it so well, and they're the biggest player that they're starting to really enjoy some operating leverage. But point just being that, you know, an, an ad business doesn't have that kind of capital expenditure, you know, it's, it's not as capital intensive as like this, you know, the infrastructure facility. Yeah, and and the way with that those two different operating margins work, uh, at half of the overall top line revenue, uh, an ad business would create just as much in operating profits because it's twice as profitable as AWS. It goes even further on the e-commerce side, and frankly, we're not too far removed from it being about half the size of AWS. Management has talked in multiple times on conference calls about the fact that this is already a multi-billion-dollar business, and they're seeing very strong adoption across the board. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of like I was referring to earlier, you know, like these product listing ads, they're like that's that's like gold for an advertiser. <laughs> like you go to Amazon and you're searching for something, which and and you just you know, you buy that, that that sponsored listing at the top, and the, it's the first thing people see, and like they already know that they want that. So it's just it's just prime real estate. Yeah, I think that that transitions very part, nicely. Part, part of the pun. <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't resist, huh? <laughs> Didn't mean, that was unintended. <laughs> I think I think that actually transitions nicely into the the pros and cons of working with Amazon as an advertiser and as a retailer, right? So, product related search is super high value because you know that you have purchase intent. So, if you're a marketer, you know that's that's a really compelling uh, group to ma- to to meet online. You know, if if you're in Google search. There's a good chance that someone's looking for a product if they're searching product information, but they also might be looking for reviews or something like that. There's a certain element of Amazon that makes people even more qualified because it's an e-commerce platform. Um, what I've seen also in a lot of discussions about the digital ad space is, you know, we've had this duopoly basically for a long time with Alphabet's Google and Facebook essentially controlling the market. I've seen estimates anywhere between 53 and 70 percent of the digital ad spend is going to those two companies. Having a third player in there um, could really force those other companies' hands in terms of data transparency and and even pricing. I think. Right, and I think that they do have a potential to really become a, a much more meaningful player here because, you know, if you just think about like from a consumer behavior standpoint, it's like yeah, for example, if I'm if I'm looking for some physical product, 
I go straight to Amazon, right? If I'm looking for something like a, a local service contractor or something to like do stuff for my house or whatever, that's where I go to Google because that's not something that Amazon really. I mean, I think they do a little bit of this home service stuff, but that's, that doesn't come to my mind first, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that that's kind of you know, there's this dichotomy of like what you're looking for, you know, you go to different places based on what you're looking for. And to go full circle and go back to the news that we started this show with. I think that Amazon has a cross-platform functionality and an interoperability advantage that maybe some of these other players don't. You know, there have been some rumors about Amazon incorporating TV and mobile to have this cross-device strategy where if you see something uh, as a streaming TV ad, you are then served up something very similar uh, in mobile as kind of a retargeting down the road, and and being able to have a much fuller look at a consumer is exactly what advertisers want. Right, and that's I think you know that's a good point too because you know and that'll be true for all of uh, as more and more advertising shifts towards these online digital over the top platforms like Roku, like Amazon, whatever it might be. That's something you don't have on linear TV, you know, like because it's it's just fundamentally not as data intensive business when you're watching something on cable TV and you go buy it online. They don't. It's harder to connect those two dots compared to you know on on uh, online streaming. The, the one con, I think, in retailers and advertisers working with Amazon is there, for a long time, has already been this kind of frenemy relationship where retailers say, okay, so many shoppers are on Amazon getting stuff that we kind of need to be there. But by being there, we're devaluing the presence of our owned and operated verticals, right? So, like, if you're a retailer and you sell specialty goods, you want to have access to that customer base that's on Amazon, but by doing that, you're becoming dependent on a third party, and you're weakening your own digital reach. And they don't really have much of a choice. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of like, have to do it, right? But yeah, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> Not go on Amazon? Not yeah. put yourself on Amazon? <laughs> the the one advantage I think that a Google and a Facebook have is they are a little bit more agnostic there. You know, like they are kind of pointing people to the right thing. Certainly, the case for. Facebook um, and I think Google too, where it's it's a matter of paying to be within a certain search result. They aren't saying we're selling stuff and we're going to sell stuff that you also sell instead of you. Uh, so so there's a little bit less of that uh, competitive element to it. Right. I mean, I think Facebook's a little different because I think Facebook is more about just like you know you're just idly browsing passively, you know, looking at stuff or interacting with people. Versus, you know, there's not as much that, that kind of explicit purchase intent on Facebook relative to like Google or Amazon. But yeah, I mean, they're definitely everyone has their own place. It's just, you know, trying to you know get in front of your eyeballs with how much time people spend on all these services. Yeah, and as an Amazon shareholder, I look at this ad business and I say, this is really, I think, the next big thing for this company. You know, you look at uh, Facebook building essentially a fifty billion dollar run rate business on ads. Amazon's annual revenue, or sorry, Alphabet's annual revenue is double that. So if they are able to capture even five, ten percent of the digital ad market, it's going to be huge money for this company, and it's going to be something that pretty much flows right down to the bottom line. It makes a very quickly growing company even more profitable. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of upside. Yeah, I think this is this is the ace in the hole for this company, um, and. They are so early on in the growth ramp for it that um, you know there's still a lot of opportunity to be seized. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, Evan, we're gonna wrap there. Anything fun going on this weekend? 
No, just going gambling. That's it. Just going gambling. Well, I'm going to be at the Nats game. I believe Austin Morgan is also going to be at the Nats game tonight. I'll be there. Yeah, we have a full outing, which is going to be super fun. Are you bringing anyone, Austin? Uh, I am. My girlfriend and roommate are coming. Nice. Uh, I'm also bringing my girlfriend, Jess. It is. Um, there were multiple calls out, though, for more people to come to the game because we had a bunch of extra tickets. And so I'm not just bringing my girlfriend. I'm bringing four other friends as well. Nice. So it's basically a full-sponsored uh, Dylan Lewis friend hangout, which is kind of cool. <laughs> I guess that's what they get for putting a, a stadium trip on a holiday weekend. But I'll take it. Um, Austin, anyone in particular you're excited to see tonight? I know you're a big Nats fan. I don't know. I just got news while we were taping this podcast that the Nationals sent Ryan Madsen to the Dodgers. So the bullpen is getting thin. <laughs> How do you feel about that as as an avid I, Nats it's fan? It's just they just seems like they've given up on the season when they could make a run. Maybe they're playing a lot of teams that are ahead of them. So and the Brewers tonight. Brewers tonight. They're ahead of them. I can't wait to see the Nats give up live in person. With a whole bunch of fools and some of my friends. Last time we thought they gave up, they went out and scored like 15 runs, so maybe they'll do that tonight. I'd love to see it. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows over at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show. And the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!